You've survived another week. Thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the Black Man with a Gun Show. Man, this week we are going through it. There are massacres. There are violence at almost at every turn. We got terrorism, domestic and foreign. There are just so many things that can just bring you down at a season where we're supposed to be celebrating life, giving, happiness, joy. We live in a society now that blames everybody else for what's wrong. I'm asking you to hold fast. Nothing is more dangerous than a sincere ignorance and a conscientious stupidity. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King said that. Now we talk about Black Friday and shopping and we, we kind of try to just forget about all the negatives. But we buy things we don't need with the money we don't have to impress people we don't like. You, the cool people, my friends, my family members, I'm asking you to hold fast. We got to hold fast to the freedom we have in America. There's some ignorance in our system. Folks don't understand about our nation at all. Don't fall for it. Stand. We live in a society of victimization where people are much more comfortable being victimized than actually standing up for themselves. But don't fall for it. It takes two to fight. Some things are left unsaid. Some things don't deserve a response. When it comes up, you'll know what I mean. What's wrong with our country? We're missing some leadership. We're missing some ownership. Respect is gone from so many people. We live in a society now where we never prepare people to be a community anymore. It's every man for himself, and that never works. So the important things in the world have been accomplished by people who have kept on trying when there seemed to be no hope at all. Dale Carnegie said that. And I truly believe it. This week, I'm joined by MJ Woodland talking about some training tips. And I want to talk about Native Americans this week. Is that all right with you? And I'm going to interject some other personal stuff as time goes on. It's so good to talk to you again. And thank you for being here with me. Welcome to the Black Man with a Gun Show, produced by the Blanchard Media Group, sponsored by Crossbreed Holsters and amazing patrons like you. On a dusty road, good loving, I got a truck load. And when you get it, you got something. So don't worry, cause I'm coming, I'm a soul man. I'm a soul man. I'm a soul man. This program has been providing information, inspiration, entertainment since 2007. And I'm your host, Reverend Ken Blanchard. And after John Wayne leads us in the Pledge of Allegiance, we're going to continue with the Black Man with a Gun Show. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, 
with liberty and justice for all. All right, I started this week's show with a whole bunch of stuff. I hope I didn't lose you. But I don't think I did. The good part about my community, my friends, is that you get me. This show is for the cool people. This show is sponsored by Crossbreed Holsters and members from Patreon.com, Black Man with a Gun, who so have supported the show through thick and thin. Thank you for being here. You know, over the 453 episodes that I've had here on the podcast, I've never talked about Native Americans. Yeah. Funny, funny thing, huh? You know, they were one of the first groups here in America that were disarmed and murdered, massacred, assassinated, tried to be blotted out. It's an ugly part of American history that we don't like to talk about. But, you know, that never stopped me before. Living here in the nation's capital, we have a football team that's under fire right now because of the name of national, oh, not national, but of Washington Redskins, saying that that's a derogatory term. I guess if you would call somebody the Detroit White Boys, that probably wouldn't sound too good. We still got an issue with race, and that's kind of dumb. You know, there are roughly 7 billion people in the world. That's a lot of people. And the life expectancy for that 7 billion is about 70 years, just like the Bible says, three score and 10. Anthropologists recognize three or four basic races of man. And these races can be further subdivided into as many as 30 subgroups. All humanity of whatever race are currently classified by those same anthropologists or biologists as becoming or belonging to one species, Homo sapiens or the human race. This is another way of saying that the differences between the so-called races is minutia, even though they may appear great because of skin color, black versus white, and in the point that angers the racist, all races of mankind in the world can interbreed because they are so much in common. All races share 99.9% of the same genetic materials, which means that the vision of race is largely subjective. And with race therefore being irrelevant, We can say with educated certainty that there are at least 5,000 ethnic groups in the world. And now I'm here and I can't get out of it. It's time to just say step back, turn off, unplug, and stop listening to these angry people, their rhetoric and their comments, no matter where it comes from. The responses that you hear and you read are usually from who knows what. Folks kind of regurgitate stuff from the past. They recycle garbage. It's coming out of frustration, out of anger, out of fear, and out of a myriad of places that tear down instead of build up. Somebody told me recently that one way to get um, the dead soldiers out of a, a river during the Civil War so they could be buried was to throw a stick of dynamite in the river. And the bodies would float up and then they would go get them and then take them out. I think somebody has thrown a bomb in our culture and all the dead stuff 
is floating up and it stinks. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be upset over all the crime and the senseless murders, the terrorism and the corruption. But don't let nobody push your buttons. Okay, let me get back off my rant. Native Americans. Let me throw some names at you. See how many of them you recognize. Tecumseh. Chief Joseph. Geronimo. Crazy Horse. Pontiac. Red Jacket. Cochise. Hiawatha. Black Hawk. Sequoia. Keyscook. Pocahontas. Red Cloud. Squanto. Sitting Bull. Crazy Horse. Sacagawea. Any of those ring a bell? The indigenous people were here before the European settlers came to America. And they didn't take to much. So since you couldn't beat them, or you couldn't get them to join, you decided to eradicate them. And that's what happened. We got some ugly stuff in our past. And I remember the quote I heard on the Westerns, the only good Indian is a... Yeah, you heard it before. Isn't that crazy? And we rounded up and we systematically murdered a whole bunch of people. I want to tell you a story about such a case. I think it was called Wounded Knee. Wounded Knee, or the Wounded Knee Massacre, occurred, I can't even say occurred today, in December 29th, 1890, near Wounded Knee Creek. Uh, And that's on the Lakota Pine Ridge Indian Reservation in the U.S. state of South Dakota, according to the wiki. So what happened? On the morning of December 29th, troops went into a camp to disarm the Lakota Sioux. One version of the events claims that during the process of disarming the Lakota, a death tribesman named Black Coyote was reluctant to give up his rifle, claiming he had paid a lot for it. A scuffle over the rifle escalated and a shot was fired, which resulted in the 7th Cavalry's opening fire indiscriminately from all sides, killing men, women, and children, as well as a few of their own soldiers. The Lakota warriors, who still had weapons, began shooting back at the attacking soldiers, who quickly suppressed Lakota's fire. The surviving Lakota fled, but cavalry, cavalry men pursued and killed many who were unarmed. And by the time it was all over, more than 200 men, women, and children of the Lakota had been killed, and 51 were wounded. Four men, 47 women and children, some who died later, some estimates placed the number at a dead about 300. 25 soldiers were also, die- also killed and 39 were wounded. Six died from their injuries. At least 20 soldiers were awarded the Medal of Honor for this event. In 2001, the National Congress of American Indians passed two resolutions condemning the awards and calling on the U.S. government to rescind them. The site of the battlefield has been designated a natural historic landmark. This is in South Dakota. As I was reading some of the stuff about the Native Americans, the Sioux, the Lakota, the, the many different nations, you know that you call them nations, not tribes, right? That this, these nations were all over the country. And as the land grab began, they were pushed moved from where they were because the land was great 
Say you live on the beachfront property. They wanted that. Chase them jokers off. Shoot them. Kill them. Build fences and walls. And if you cross them, they kill you. That's our history. They pushed tribes from the east coast to the west. From the west coast to the north. Isn't that something? We we'll never talk about that. And why am I bringing it up? It because it reflects also to gun ownership today. As I was studying the history, as I was reading some stuff, I saw that there was a thing called a ghost dance. I got to share with you what this ghost dance was. It seems so much like a church revival. Here you had the once proud Sioux who found their free Roman life destroyed, their buffalo gone, themselves confined to reservations now, dependent on Indian agents for their existence. In a desperate attempt to return to the days of their glory, many sought salvation in a new mysticism preached by a Paiute shaman called Wovanka. Now Wovanka called himself the Messiah, and he traveled all over the place to to share this message. His message was that the dead would soon join the living in a world in which the Indians could live in the old way, surrounded by plentiful game. A tidal wave of new soil would cover the earth, bury the whites, and restore the prairie. And to make this happen faster, the Indians were to dance the ghost dance. Many dancers were brightly colored shirts emblazoned with images of eagles and buffaloes. Their ghost shirts, they believe, would protect them from the blue coats' bullets. And during the fall of 1890, the ghost dance spread through the Sioux villages of the Dakota reservations and it went all over the place, but it brought fear to the whites. That's what started the massacre. Can you believe it? Oh yeah, in my list of names, I mentioned uh, Sitting Bull. As a precaution, Indian police and soldiers were sent to arrest the chief. He was really a medicine man. He was seized on Grand River, December 15, 1890. He was killed while his warriors were trying to rescue him. He was buried at Fort Yates, but his remains were moved in 1953 to Mobridge, South Dakota, where a granite shaft marks his resting place. Tatanka Iutaka, Sitting Bull. He was not impressed by white society and their version of civilization. He was shocked and saddened to see the number of homeless people living on the streets of American cities. He gave money to hungry white people many times when he was in the large cities. He was a show person for a small time. He counseled his people to be wary of what they accept from white culture. He saw some things which might benefit his people, but cautioned Indian people to accept only those things that were useful to them and to leave everything else alone. He had a clear vision and a pure motivation. So, of course, he didn't survive. But that's like a bad way to start a biography about somebody. But Sitting Bull, his Indian name, Tatanka Iutaki, was born circa 1831 near Grand River, Dakota Territory, now in South Dakota. He died December 15, 1890. The Teton, Dakota Indian chief under whom the Sioux tribes united in their struggle for survival on the North America Great Plains. Sitting Bull was born into the Hunkapapa, a division of the Teton Sioux. He joined his first war party at age 14 
and soon gained a reputation for fearlessness in battle. He became a leader of this powerful Strongheart Warrior Society and later was a participant in the Silent Eaters, which was a select group concerned with tribal welfare. As a tribal leader, Sitting Bull helped extend the Sioux hunting grounds westward into what had been the territory of the Shoshone, Crow, Asiboyan, and other Indian tribes. His first skirmish with white soldiers occurred in June 1863 during the U.S. Army's retaliation against the Sante Sioux after the Minnesota Massacre, in which the Teton Sioux had no part. And for the next five years, he was in frequent hostile contact with the Army, which was invading the Sioux hunting grounds and bringing ruin to the Indian economy. In 1866, he became principal chief of the Northern Hunting Sioux with Crazy Horse, leader of the Ogala Sioux, and his vice chief. Respected for his courage and wisdom, Sitting Bull was made principal chief of the entire Sioux nation about 1867. In 1868, the Sioux accepted peace with the U.S. government on the basis of the Second Treaty of Fort Laramie, which guaranteed the Sioux a reservation in what is now southwestern South Dakota. But when gold was discovered in the Black Hills in the mid-1870s, a rush of white prospectors invaded lands guaranteed to the Indians by the treaty. Late in 1875, those Sioux who had been resisting the whites' incursions were ordered to return to the reservations by January 31st, 1876. Now that sounds good, except for even if Sitting Bull had been wanting to comply with this, there's no way he's going to be able to move his village 240 miles in the bitter cold by the specified time. In March, General George Crook took the field against the hostiles, and Sitting Bull responded by summoning the Sioux, Cheyenne, and certain Arapaho to his camp in Montana Territory. There on June 17th, Crook's troops were forced to retreat in the Battle of the Rosebud. The Indian chiefs then moved their encampment into the valley of the Little Bighorn River. At this point, Sitting Bull performed the Sundance, when we emerged from a trance induced by self-torture, he reported that he had seen soldiers falling into his camp like grasshoppers from the sky. His prophecy was fulfilled on June 25th when Lieutenant Colonel George Armstrong Custer rode into the valley and he and all the men under his immediate command were annihilated in the battle with Little Bighorn. Now, of course, strong public reaction among whites to the battle of Little Bighorn resulted in a stepped-up military action. The Sioux emerged the victors in their battles with the U.S. troops, but they might win battle after battle. They could never win the war. They depended on the buffalo for their livelihood, and the buffalo, under the steady encroachment of whites, were rapidly becoming extinct. Hunger led more and more Sioux to surrender, and in May 1877, Sitting Bull led his remaining followers across the border into Canada. But the Canadian government could not acknowledge responsibility for feeding a people whose reservation was south of the border, and after four years, during which his following dwindled steadily, famine for Sitting Bull to surrender. After 1883, he lived at the Standing Rock Agency, where he vainly opposed the sale of tribal lands. In 1885, probably to get rid of him, the Indian agent allowed him to join Buffalo Bill's Wild West show, in which he gained international fame. In July and August of 1888, in a conference at Standing Rock, Dakota, he influenced his tribe to refuse to relinquish Indian lands. In 1889, during a solar eclipse, 
a mystic named Wovanka, I just talked about earlier, began having visions that the white man would vanish and Indians would perform ghost dances. And that's how all that started. Alarmed federal officials feared a general uprising and Buffalo Bill Cody was recruited to negotiate with his friend. But according to history books, the two never met. On December 14, 1890, a group of Indian police were sent to arrest him, but fight erupted and within minutes several men were dead. Six policemen were killed immediately and two more died shortly after the fight. Sitting Bull and seven of his supporters lay dead among, along with two horses. In the midst of the gunfire, Sitting Bull's stage horse, a gift from Wild Bill Cody, began performing its old routine of lifting his leg as if to shake hands. Isn't that something? As I was reading the points from uh, my notes, I'm hoping I didn't go all over the place. But there's some similarities to how the government seeks to disarm, take things that don't belong to them, that's the reason for our Constitution being what it is, being a we the people thing. But when we the people don't know about their rights, don't affirm their freedom, they are taken away by greedy people, by people who will deceive. And you all know that. But it just seems so common that there was like skirmishes with police, taking of land, there was a holy man involved. There's all of those similarities that kind of stuck out to me. You know what I'm talking about? Um, Native American people, strong, brave people in the 1800s. It seems like so many things have not changed. That's my point right now. So I'm kind of just rambling right now, but I'm thinking about all the Western movies where you see Indians dancing around in circles. You see the Native Americans, um, like recon soldiers, actually. They come out of nowhere. And of course, they all lose. But there are just some great parts of the story that have been woven in there from myth and from legend and from being romanticized on television and movies and in stories. There's truth mixed in there. So what I try to pull out of all that from Wounded Knee, Sitting Bull, Wovanka, Ghost Dances, Native Americans, famous and gone historical figures. It's about us as people. We haven't changed that much. We're still going through the same thing. We got enemies, foreign and domestic. We got losers, but we are winners. And winners never quit. And quitters, you got it, never win. There's quite a few newspapers who blame the NRA for everything. And I need you to realize that you are the NRA, not the folks in Fairfax, Virginia. You and I. It's three letters. You might not be a member. You might only be a cursory member. But if you're a gun owner, you are the NRA. You are. You're the ones they're talking about. Don't forget that. Being an armed citizen means having a gun with you all the time. Carrying a firearm every day requires a holster that is both concealable and comfortable. Whether you choose our Super Tuck Deluxe or Mini Tuck, you'll have the confidence that comes from being discreetly and comfortably armed, prepared to face unforeseen dangers. Crossbreed holsters are handmade in the USA, come with a lifetime warranty and a two-week try-it-free guarantee. Order your holster today at crossbreedholsters.com. All right, my man MJ Woodland is up next, and he's fighting through a cold, but that doesn't stop my man.
Thank you, MJ, man, for doing it. His tip is up next. Welcome to another tip segment. I am Michael Woodland from m-wtactical.com. Before we start the segment today, we at M-W Tactical hope everyone had a blessed Thanksgiving and enjoyed their time with family and friends. To my brothers in arms who are deployed and could not be with their families, you were and are in my prayers. Today we have a question coming out of Jacksonville, Florida from Sean K. And he wrote to the M-W Tactical Twitter page and asks, How do you know what is the right handgun to purchase? Thank you, Sean. And to answer your question, this is a topic that is commonly answered by friends, family, and salesmen alike. Normally, when someone gives advice on a firearm to purchase, it is normally personal preference you are hearing. If you were to ask me in my younger years, my answer would be to get a Smith & Wesson M&P. There is nothing I hold against the other brands of firearms, just my personal preference and what I was taught in the past. Yes, everyone knows I am a big Smith & Wesson fanboy, and as of right now, have no desires to change that. Sean, if you are looking to find the right handgun, my suggestion would be to go to a reputable firearms dealer and to ask to hold a few firearms that spike your interest. If you like how the gun feels in your hand, that is just the first part of discovering the right handgun to purchase. The second part would be to see if that firearm dealer has the capabilities to allow you to fire the same model. Just because the firearm feels good in your hand does not mean you will feel the same way after the shot goes off. After getting the feel for a few different makes and models and taking them to fire, your decision should be easier to make. Just be cautious of certain firearm dealers who attempt to sell more of a certain kind of firearm due to the incentive deals they get from a certain number of sales. Follow your heart and feel what is right for you. Do not be so quick to just get a firearm and in a few weeks you are not happy with the purchase. Do some research on the internet. Look for some features that stand out to you. For example, one of the deciding factors for me is to purchase a handgun without a safety. Remember, my experience level is very different from yours. And this decision is made more from the aspects of competition shooting. Find some features that will make your deciding factor a beneficial purchase. Sean. For your submission of the question of the week, you will be receiving a custom labeled hat from Grunt Stomp Tactical Gear, a veteran-owned company operated by a member of our military fighting force. Grunt Stomp Tactical is a sponsor of me, Michael Woodland, and they take care of all my shooting supply needs for competitions. Visit them at www.gruntstomp.com and tell them you heard about their great prices on the Black Man With a Gun podcast. Tune in next week as we will discuss sight alignment. Visit us on Facebook at M-W Tactical in the search bar. Like our page and let us know what questions you may have to improve your shooting. Submit your questions on the M-W Tactical Facebook page or Twitter page at MJ Woodland and win a prize from us if your question is selected. Until next week, keep shooting, keep practicing, and have fun. Ken, next year... We will have to link up so I can try some of that fried turkey and we can go shooting afterwards. Deal. But what was the right handgun purchase for you? Back to you, Ken. All right, MJ. Thanks, man. Get the book that started it all. Black Man with a Gun Reloaded. 
It's the story of a man who's helped change gun rights in America, one heart at a time. It's a primer for the firearms enthusiast, and it's a fun read. It's the story of Ken Blanchard, host of Blanchard Outdoors. Get yours on Amazon.com or on the website at BlanchardOutdoors.com. Scratch that. How about BlackManWithAGun.com or on Blanchard Media Group? One of those projects that I stopped and started was Blanchard Outdoors. Now, right now, November, December of 2015, will be some prime deer season stuff, some turkey season stuff, some dove hunting stuff. Be great for Blanchard Outdoors, even striper, striped bass fishing. But alas, your boy can't do it all. So find that book. Support your brother. I'm trying to sell 200 copies um, before the man comes and repos my behind. You can find it on Amazon.com. Black Man with a Gun, Reloaded. Hey, since MJ talked about that turkey, I'm tell you what he's talking about. On my Instagram page, I shared... I think I even tweeted it. It might have been on my Facebook as well. I talked about the turkey that I fried. Thanksgiving was one of the best ones I had. We actually had. Everybody was home. The family was together. Um, The weather was beautiful. And I wanted to contribute by not just eating food. I wanted to help produce it. So I decided to be the turkey fryer guy. Because I had fried turkey by somebody. Like a piece of it. And I heard it was like really good. And I wanted to make sure it was as good as I heard. So... I went all over the place looking for a fryer. I got that. Then my wife bought this giant 19-pound turkey and found out that my turkey fryer advised that you shouldn't put anything bigger than 18 pounds in there. So I whacked off the wings, and it fit. And I took all the lessons and read all the books and watched all the YouTube videos of how not to burn my house down and myself. Some of you guys sent them to me, too, so that kind of made me feel real good. I was terrified. I was worried the whole time. But I managed to fry the best tasting turkey I've ever had. And everybody was safe and I didn't burn myself even a little bit. There's a picture floating around somewhere on the internet of the turkey. My daughter cut a big chunk out of it to see how the juice was. And oh, it was so good. I am truly thankful for you. For you being my friend. And I've done some stuff this year. 2015 has been something else. I look back over the year that was 2015. I got a little older. I learned a little bit more about myself with each turn. I tried a bunch of new stuff and had some new projects, as I always have. I threw up a lot of stuff against my proverbial wall. Some stuck and some did not. 2016 could be the best year of this show. And it started with something awesome. You know, if you're like me, you're a doer. And we tend to make plans and stick to them no matter what even to our detriment. I made a comment on my Ken Blanchard show that maybe I'm doing too much. I've learned that we think these things will help if we just push through them. And you can reinforce that by just being in a world where everybody is trying to do better, do more. And for me, I'm trying to change my circumstances, my station in life. I don't value just being the pro-gun pastor's podcast. And I heard that having dogged determination can be useful. 
But I realize that if the plan isn't good, keep going, won't make it better. You might just want to stop. Check out the Ken Blanchard Show. Check out um, the Warrior Cast, my new podcast I'm doing. And this week we got a boxer on there. It's a pretty good show. And I got one call to action for you. I tried to have a subscription service because I heard that email marketing was, it was a thing. And you got to have an email list that you can send out to people. I suck at that. I'll tell you what I want. If I could. Could you just send me an email? Happy Thanksgiving, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, I don't care. Send me an email to blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. I want to kind of get a count on who my friends are. I want to answer you personally. Not just take it from there. These podcasts are time shifted, so you might be hearing this in 2017, who knows? But it's all good. Send me an email, blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. I'll send you out some stuff. How I'm doing, what's new in the world. I'll start off there. That's my call to action for episode 453. Send me a note. I'm not asking to join a list or anything. I'm going to give you a response back with everything I got going on. All in one spot. So then, then you'll know. And then I'll know who's paying attention to. Who cares? Thank you for supporting the show for all my 25 Patreons or patrons. Thank you so much. You guys are making a difference like you wouldn't believe. If you get a chance, check out my other two shows, The Ken Blanchard Show and The New Warrior Cast. You'll find out all of those on BlanchardMediaGroup.com. Again, thank you. Hello, this is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Season greetings and best wishes for a joyous holiday. That means it's time to go. I want to thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to this week's show. If I said something that made sense to you, feel free to share it with a friend. And if I didn't, or you have something to share with me, send me an email to blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. You can find all my links on social media at blackmanwithagun.com or blanchardmediagroup.com. And just in case nobody has told you this week, I love you. And it's not a darn thing you can do about it. This is your friend and brother from another mother, Ken Blanchard. Shalom, baby.